You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, if you didn't have a kid that went to the UCYC camp, uh, I want to thank all of you that were praying and have contributed financially to be able to do that. We had 20-something kids that we scholarshiped to make sure that they could go. We didn't want any financial barriers to be there. And so I want to thank you for investing into the kids We saw uh, a number of kids profess faith in Jesus Christ, and many of them are going to be getting baptized. And so let's just celebrate. We had 40-plus kids go to camp. Thank the volunteers, the workers, and everybody that did that. Yeah. Great job. I'm really encouraged to see the, the adult volunteers. This morning's message is talking about investing into the next generation. And it's so crucial, if there's one thing that we could do in life to make a big difference, it's really, if we could narrow it down, it's that we're investing into the next generation. Israel had this responsibility that they were to invest into the households. Believe it or not, guys, the, the, Israel, the nation of Israel was challenged by the fathers being investing into the home to make that home a, a, a little Sunday room classroom where kids would learn about God's rules, God's law, God's love. And so this morning, we're going to be doing that. Um, I'm so glad you decided to be here today. I'm so proud of you kids that were apart, made big faith decisions. Uh, today's going to be a great day. I hope to do my best as a pastor to all the kids in the room and the teenagers in the room because I want you to know I'm going to go to great lengths as a pastor to make sure this church invests into the next generation. Um, I will lose sleep over the fact if our church gets off course and doesn't connect with a younger generation because our success as a church hinges on it. Churches fold up every single day because they fail to pass on the timeless truths to the next generation. So I want to thank you again for all of you who have invested so generously. Before we get started in the message today, though, I want to highlight a couple of things with you. You got one of these brochures. Would you pull this out for a moment? It's a ministry brochure, and then on it, it has a bunch of different ministries Um, I'm praying today is the day that we have this faith goal. We want to see 30 new volunteers in all the church. And uh, so we have t-shirts over there. I want you to pick your team. I want you to look at this. Everybody pull this out for a minute. You have North Valley kids. You have North Valley students. You have guest services, missions. Oh man, we need some help in the area of missions. Cares, that's doing ministry here and beyond the church. Signs, grounds and facilities. Parking and traffic. Let me stop just for a moment. This new shirt I got, um, it's a collared shirt. It's like a a polyester or synthetic fabric. Uh, A gal in our church uh, bought it and purchased it. And we're going to make these available for our grounds, facilities, our parking and traffic uh, because you guys are working outside. So um, I want to thank you for enduring the heat and being hospitable and getting people onto our campus Uh, We're going to have a special shirt for you guys to be able to do that. Uh, Audio and video, worship arts, uh, media, communications, admin and events, security, women's ministry, intern residency. This is a new program that we've got. You can get college credit, seminary credit by volunteering in interning or doing a residency with us at North Valley. You can get even master's level credit. 
um, through GCU, Phoenix Seminary, and Bethel University. Dr. Deal, our, uh, the elder in our, one of the elders in our church, helped set that up this last year. Um, neighborhood groups, those are vital and very important. So I want to encourage you today, before you leave here today, maybe in faith you just come on over to that connection corner. Uh, Derek Ellis is in the back. Everybody look over there and say, hi, Derek, on the count of three. One, two, three. Hi, Derek. Let's try that again. One, two, three. Hi, Derek. There he is. He's new to our staff team. Awesome guy. Serves with guest services. So give him a big round of applause for joining our team. All right, so um, Derek leads up the guest services. That'd be a great guy to connect with. Uh, Pastor Craig's in the back over here too. He'll be at the Connection Corner. We need some help with campus prep. That's getting here on Sunday morning. As you drove in, you probably saw the big blue tarp on our roof. That storm wreaked havoc on our campus. Blew off some banners. It's torn up our roof. So thankfully, we have insurance, and you guys are faithful to give to the general fund. And so we're going to get all that repaired in the next couple of weeks, and we're going to keep improving our campus. So uh, we've been on site uh, just a little over a year now on this facility. It used to be a bar, a restaurant, a wedding venue, and we're transforming it. And so um, we're real excited. Also, North Valley Kids got some new gates. I don't know if you guys saw those or not, but that's really cool. So let's give another round of applause for... I want to thank you for your general fund giving, okay? That makes a big difference. If you walk around the campus and you say, ooh, that's ugly, ooh, that needs to get fixed, just come over to me and I'll say, well, we have some, you can give towards that. And we can fix that together. That's a fun part about being a part of a church like this is you can see your, your money making a difference. And most importantly, it's not just making a difference in a grounds in a facility, it's making a difference in the lives of kids, Mark this on your calendars on September 9th. I'm going to double check my calendar and make sure we're doing this. We didn't plan this big time, but it just happened. So September 9th, um, we're going to have a, a baptism Sunday. So we're going to baptize a bunch of new folks that just profess Jesus. Some of you guys have not yet uh, done this publicly. You believe in Jesus and maybe in a church service, you prayed to receive Christ or you came here and the lights went on somewhere along the way and you're like, you know what? I want to go public with my faith. Baptism's not about how holy you are. It's about who you know. It's about knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so um, we're going to be doing that. We have a bunch of kids and uh, some adults as well that are going to be baptized September 9th. So, yeah, we can celebrate that. That's something to celebrate. Yeah. A couple other things before we get started today is uh, this coming Saturday, uh, because of the big storm that hit um, in the Phoenix Valley, it was kind of a record. There was 70 mile per hour winds at some parts of the valley. It, it, it impacted our campus. And, uh, and then another one came right behind that just uh, last week. And so we need a, we're going to do another family serve day. Um, this coming Saturday. So if you'd like to join myself, uh, we'll be here from 7 a.m. to about 11 a.m. And there's some famous breakfast burritos that will be there. So I want to encourage you to come on out 7 to 11. Uh, that's coming up. So, okay. Well, I think I've covered just about everything. Let me pray. And then we're going to get started in today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and just the work that you're doing in the lives of kids Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be here uh, week after week, Lord, to um, be a, an ambassador for you, to share with my friends in the North Valley 
uh, about your great love and your call to them, Lord, to be a light among this community and this nation. Um, We pray today, Lord, this word uh, would inspire us and motivate us uh, to fall more in line with your design. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We're talking about the next generation. If you've got a Bible, you can open it up. Psalm 78, 1 through 8. Um, 78, 1 through 8. You can pull it up on your smartphone. Um, or we've got ESV study Bible or ESV Bibles in the back over here. If you'd like to pick one up, feel free to just jump up and go grab one. The next generation in our culture... Um, I want to talk to you about our culture just for a moment. Let me help outline the room here today. Baby boomers, born between 1955 and 65, um, and maybe a little bit later. Generation X, that's my generation. That's the MTV generation. That's the Bart Simpson generation. That's me, and that's many of you. Um, 1965 to 1980, if you were born in that time, that's you. Um, Our two biggest demographics in this church are actually, in adults, are baby boomers and Gen X. Gen X is bigger than the baby boomers. Um, Then we have below Generation X is Generation Y, and this is uh, anybody that's born between 1980 and 1995. It's also called the Millennials. So um, let's just, just, uh, and then Generation I, which would be Generation Z, uh, would be born... 1995 to any time later. So let me just get a survey in the room. If you're a baby boomer, raise your hand. Okay, there we go. A lot of baby boomers. If you're a generation X, 1965 to 1980, raise your hand. A bunch of you. Okay, now, now listen here, uh, kids. You got to listen. Uh, generation Y, born between 1980 to 1995, raise your hand. Okay, awesome. That's uh, millennials. I said kids, but... Millennials? Hey, I could fall into that category too. I'm a kid. Yep, that's me. Uh, Generation I, 1995 or later. Raise your hand. Okay. All of them are back over in North Valley Kids Building is where they are right now. I highlighted seven characteristics of the I generation. That's the generation that went to camp um, in a message not too long ago. Let me just give you some cultural analysis before we get into the text uh, this morning. The I generation, why do they call them the I generation? Because these are the kids that were born with one of these in their hand. And when grandma comes over, they can show you which app to download and what to get. Um, What's the defining characteristic of these kids, the I generation, born between 1995 and later, They're the most digitally connected generation the world has ever known. They have more technology in their hand when they're born onto this planet than NASA had to send a rocket to the moon. This is the most digitally connected generation. And when we're talking about investing into the next generation, you need to know the kind of generation that we have a a great responsibility as it's also the most socially disconnected generation. My father was here a few months ago. He's a Christian psychiatrist. And I asked him, what's the most troubling demographic that you see in your practice for more than 30 years? And he said, the younger generation is the most socially disconnected generation 
we've ever seen before. Kids won't go to friends' houses if they don't have lots of Xbox controllers. Kids will stay in their rooms and prefer to play video games rather than go play on the streets. Like, you've heard this before, you kids, you've heard this. When I was a kid, when I was your age, we used to hoop it up on the back of the street all the time and play outside. Go play outside. It's one of the most socially disconnected generations. They're also the, one of the least likely to believe in the American dream. I don't think that's a necessarily a bad thing. They've realized that the American dream kind of folded on them. Mom and dad got a divorce. Um, the house had to get sold. The dog had to go to some, one of the parents' houses. Siblings got split up. The American dream's just not all that attractive to most of these kids these days. There's also a significant feeling of unsettlement and insecurity in the lives of many of these kids. Why? Because, listen to me, they saw school shootings as a norm every year. When I was a kid, Generation X, Columbine shooting was something out of the ordinary. I'd never heard anything like that. That, that shook up our whole nation when that happened. Now, you could leave here today, turn on the TV, and there'll be another school shooting, and you'll say, that's a shame. And that's every single month we'll see some violent act of terror, and our kids are growing up with a significant feeling of uneasiness, insecurity. And so, let me give you a gospel moment and a charge as a parent you have all the more responsibility in this generation to wrap your arms around your kids and say, I love you. I'll never leave you. I'll always protect you. I'll always do everything in my power to make sure you're safe. They're growing up with this. They're watching it on TV. What was some outlier circumstance and heinous act of crime is a normal experience in today's generation. This generation also has an entrepreneurial mindset. They want to start things. They, they YouTube themselves and they become a success at playing video games just by getting a YouTube channel. Um, they're entrepreneurial. They have plans to go to college. And let, this is what I love the most, is that they're engaging the Christian faith more than all the other previous generations before them. I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray for a revival in this younger generation. Will you just close your eyes and pray with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your generation. These are your kids. And you put so many of them in our charge as a teacher, as a Sunday school leader, church leader, as pastors, as social workers, and the greatest responsibility, Lord, as parents. And so, God, would you raise us up to be good shepherds like you? Would you raise us up, Lord, to invest into this generation with this entrepreneurial mindset to see kingdom work be done, Lord, and to raise them up with great faith and great courage to impact this world for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's pray that the beginning of a renewal and revival in our church would be in the younger generation. So here's my point this morning is getting into it, is understanding the culture and not everything in the culture is bad. There's so much that can be redeemable. And some can be widely received. And what is received is that God's at work in this generation. 
And we can thank him for that. God's at work not only in the culture, but God's also at work in our church. I want you to know that. That God's at work in our church. Over a third of our church is children and teens, and we've got to radically invest into that. Um, I'm so proud of seeing the adults that have volunteered their time uh, to go take off vacation days and go to camp and take off time and that they could be maybe earning money or whatever and they're investing into kids. I'm proud of you as a church for giving faithfully. God's at work in our church through your giving. Your giving has enabled us to provide a facility, a safe platform for ministry and teaching. Last year, you guys gave generously and we were able to build a playground for the kids. God's at work in our church. The lives of kids, we see kids baptized every year on the front of your brochure right there. You got my little buddy, Caden Fain. He's giving you a thumbs up, church, and saying, the water's good, come on down. He's getting baptized right there. I want to encourage you to be of good cheer to know that God's at work in our church. And here's the, here's the big idea this morning that I want you to grasp is that we have a great responsibility and a great opportunity as a church to invest into this next generation, our lives, biblical truth, by serving in ministry. That's the call for this morning. So let's look at the scriptures together. Psalms 78, we're going to look at that. Starting in verse 1, and we'll work down, we'll work down a good little ways and, and kind of uh, get through about verse 8 this morning. The psalmist is uh, going to recount a historical account of how God's working in the generation and charge all believers to invest into the next generation. He says this, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Verse 2, I will open my mouth in a parable. That's a story. And he says, I'll utter dark sayings from old. What he means is he's going to shed light on something that's going to require imagination to unlock uh, a deeper meaning. Verse 3, he says, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, but tell them, tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord in his might and the wonders that he has done. Let me stop right there. Tell them what? Look at verse 4. It says, tell to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Three things I want to highlight to you that the psalmist is referring to is first is that how God rescues. In verse 13, if you'll look there in your Bibles, in verse 13, he says that he divided the seas and let them pass through it and he made the waters stand like a heap. What he's referring to right there is he's referring to the days of the Exodus when the nation of Israel was in bondage in Egypt and the psalmist is declaring God is a rescuer. God is a deliverer. And he will rescue his people. The Egyptian Pharaoh had put him into bondage. They were slaves in a sense, uh, forced into hard labor. And what uh, the psalmist is saying, hey, we've got to tell this coming generation of the glorious deeds. Well, what are the glorious deeds? What are the mighty works that he has done? 
it's when the, the nation of Israel, uh, after a series of plagues, being warned by Moses to Pharaoh, you better let these people go. These are God's people. After the 10th plague, he lets them go. And then as they're escaping, this nation of people that were once slaves are now freed, pursuing into the wilderness. Pharaoh's heart grows hard and he comes after them with a deep hatred. It says that in the scriptures that he sends out 600 chariots. This is a a war battalion to come after them and to recapture them and put them into slavery. Moses is with all these people, grandparents, parents, and children, and they're backed up against the Red Sea and they're standing there and they're all terrified because they can see these war horses coming towards them, thinking we're going to be captured, we're going to be put back into slavery. And the Lord speaks to Moses and says, raise your staff, raise your hand, and this sea will divide. This sea will separate and you will lead the people on dry ground across this thing. And that's exactly what the Lord does. These are these great and glorious historical accounts of what God has done in the lives of his people. And the psalmist is saying, you've got to teach these things. You've got to keep these things fresh on the minds of your people. They cross the, the Red Sea, and then as soon as uh, Pharaoh's army comes after them, the sea closes back in and washes them away. Here's the point, is that God rescues, and the psalmist is saying God is a rescuer. Secondly, we see that God provides. What are these glorious deeds and these wonders that he has done? God guides. In verse 14, look what it says. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a fiery light, What he's referring to is when the nation of Israel was going out, uh, fleeing away from uh, the the war horses, if you will, that they were guided by a supernatural occurrence where there was this cloud, this pillar of a cloud leading them in their direction to safety, away from uh, warring nations like the Philistines. And by night, there would be this fire a pillar that would guide them through the night. And then thirdly, what are these glorious deeds? Is that how God provides? In verses 15 and 16, look what it says. It says, he split the rocks in the wilderness and he gave them drink abundantly from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. What the psalmist is referring to is back when Moses was leading the people and they were all in the wilderness, and they were thirsty, and they were parched. They were out of water. From time to time, my wife and I will go out on a big hike out there in in the Sonoran Desert, or when you have friends that come and visit you, and they say, hey, I'm going on a hike, and you're like, you're from out of town. Do you have sun visor, and do you have water? These people were running out of water, and Moses is forced again to depend and ask God to do a miracle. He does a miracle. Moses strikes a rock, with the same staff that he had hit the Nile River with and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and turned that river to blood was the same staff and that out of that rock came water and it nourished and provided for the people in Israel. What the psalmist is doing is giving us a historical account of how God is a rescuer, how God guides and how God provides. But I have to see this also as a foreshadowing of the great work of Jesus Christ, that he is the rescuer, that he is our guide, that he is the one who provides for us. And your job and my job as a parent 
is to teach these kinds of messages to our kids. Hey, listen, buddy, God rescues us. Through the work of Jesus Christ, he rescued your mom and I. We would have been divorced without God's intervention in our life. Hey, little buddy, you need to know something, that God loves you and he wants to rescue you from that deep hole of discouragement and despair that you're in. You need to know God comes after you. That's the kind of message that I think that we've got to get at here is how God guides. Hey, look, God's word, God's law, it guides us. It helps us to make decisions. I tell my kids, kids, when we packed up and moved from Little Rock to Phoenix, we were being guided along by the Holy Spirit. These are the messages that we must tell our kids how God provides. Hey, look, listen, this is how God provided for our family. This is how God's provided for us. He is a provider. So we ask the question is, is why we are to invest into the next generation. Verse 5, it says that, look in your Bible, it says that he established a testimony in Jacob. That is God. He has established a testimony in the patriarchs from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and even through Joseph. The nation of Israel, God's worked through the father figures to establish a family so that a community might thrive and that God would raise up entire families and generations that would know, love, and follow him. He says he's established a testimony and appointed a law in Israel that's referenced to the Ten Commandments. It's referenced as well to the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children Verse 6 tells us more why we are to invest into the next generation. I'll read it, and then I'll give you the point. Look in your scriptures, but this is why I got down on my knees a moment ago, and I prayed, and I asked you to pray so we could invest into this next generation. Verse 6 tells us the why. That the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn and arise and to tell them to their children. What the psalmist is saying is that this next generation might know them. What is them? Them has to refer to in verse 4, the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might. It has to refer to the wonders that he has done. That's the, the messages that we're giving our kids. They've got to know them. Your history matters. Your personal faith history, your testimony matters as a parent. As they grow up, as they lay in bed, and you don't think they're absorbing anything, and you're telling them, hey, I just want you to know, little buddy, as I'm tucking you in tonight, God's been good to me and your mom. He showed up in an extraordinary way. That makes a big difference. A Sunday school teacher walks in the room, and they begin to teach, and they stop for a moment, and they just say, hey, let me just pause for a moment and tell you all the things God's done. In my life, or just maybe just one of them, that the next generation might know them. There in your Bible, you might just circle them for a moment or just highlight it or look at it for a moment. It means the glorious deeds, the powerful things that he's done. He, he uh, f- split the Red Sea. He, um, he freed the people from bondage. He led them by a pillar of cloud and by fire. He provided water in the wilderness. The wonders that he has done. That's the miraculous things in verse 4. 
And in verse 5, it says, talks about the testimony in Jacob and continuing on in the law in Israel. So here's what I want you to get is that why we invested in the next generation is so that this generation and the next would know Jesus. That's why we do what we do. Um, on a practical note, I would say this is that we've always got to think about the next generation and we've always got to be intentional to raise up young men and young women in the church. And there's a great responsibility for us who are older to invest down. I'm going to be teaching a three-week series on parenting from the Apostle Paul uh, in Ephesians and then in Titus. And there's one message in there um, on grandparenting that I'm going to be teaching on. And yes, I don't, I'm not a grandparent, but I know the Bible and so I'm going to teach on that and the great importance that we see in scriptures that we're always investing down into the lives of others. And this is clear in the Psalms so that this generation and the next. So what we do here, it's just the tipping point for what God wants to do in the coming generations. Man, I pray I'm an old man and somebody has to come get me out of the nursing home and drives me by uh, North Valley and we just see it just alive with life. And I'm drooling down the side. And I'm like, it's okay, baby. Don't wipe my drool. This is good. I just want to see it and take it in. You know, the more I get closer to the Lord in my life, I, uh, I'm not afraid of death. And it urges me to think about the great importance that we have right now. Because this is it. And then we get a life eternity. So there's one life on earth like this. And our major responsibility is right now is to share and show the love of Jesus Christ. You want to make a difference in this world, invest into the life of a younger person. Maybe the most important person you could invest into would start with your kids. Let me pray right now. Some of you need to reconcile with your kids. They've grown up. They've gone out. Some of you just had odds maybe with your kids and you just need to go to them and say, forgive me. Some of you just need to say, hey, I love you. Maybe you haven't said that. Let me pray. Lord, right now, I pray for the fathers in the room. God, where they might sense a great sense of maybe inadequacy or failure. God, you are the rescuer. You are the redeemer. You are the provider. I pray for a tidal wave of mercy and grace to flood, Lord, and open up that heart, Lord, so that this coming generation might know about your glorious deeds and your works. There might be reconciliation. And Lord, for the mothers with kids that are maybe estranged or distant, may, may those be reconciled today. In the name of Jesus, amen. I just felt led to do that. I didn't plan on that. So maybe if the Lord works in your life like that, come back and tell me, oh my gosh, that was, I needed to hear that because that'll just affirm in me, okay, that the Lord was at work in that moment and uh, I wanted to do that just to be obedient in that. Secondly, we see that there is this need to invest into the next generation um, that they might keep the commandments. And specifically, I'm going to call on Jesus' commandments because I think all of the Old Testament foreshadows and highlights and looks forward to Jesus. It's one gigantic storybook from the beginning of the Bible to the end, and Jesus is the great Victor through it, the golden thread all the way through the scriptures is Jesus. 
This is what the psalmist says. He says, so that they should, so that they, verse 7, look in your Bible, so that they should set their hope. I think of setting something down. If I set my phone right here, I'm setting it there and I'm leaving it alone. Hope is something that the psalmist says, so that they should set their hope in God. And not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. This church was built on two major Bible verses. One is the Great Commission, and the other one is the Great Commandments. The greatest commandments. What's the purpose of life? Here's a great one right here. It's the most simple. Jesus said it. It's the greatest commandments. It's our marching orders. Matthew 22 through 37 and 40 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. This is the most important thing that you can do. If you are an unbeliever, you have not professed faith in Jesus Christ, this is your call to action. Okay, Lord, I don't know how to love you, but I choose in faith to love you and I'm going to try to do it with all my life. And I need your supernatural help to do that. So I call on that name of Jesus right now for that. For all those of us who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, we don't retire from this. I just spent um, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday in the back country of Arizona and off the grid locations and pursuing the Lord and praying and studying the Bible. And, um, you know... If I wasn't a Christian, you guys might think I'm crazy because when I'm by myself, I talk out loud. But since I'm Christian and I know Jesus is there, I just act like Jesus is there. So I'm just talking to my, not myself, but I'm talking to Jesus. And I spend that time, why? Because this dedication has got to be everything for the Christian. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the great and the first commandment. Your commandment, my commandment that we teach our kids and our families is this, is to love God. That's the greatest purpose that you can have in life. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend, look what this says, sweeping back into the Old Testament, all the law and the prophets. See how easy the Christian life is to understand when you narrow it down well, what is the purpose of life? Love God and you love your neighbor. That's real simple. Let's clarify God, though it's Jesus. Greatest commandments. Why invest into the next generation? So that they might not repeat the sins of the past. Verse 8 says this, that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. You know what we have a shot at when we're investing in the next kids, in the next generation, even if it be our kids? We have a shot at changing the family tree. We have a shot at redoing what went wrong. We have a shot at that. I heard a story recently of a guy who... Uh, Grew up in an abusive home. His dad drank a whole lot of alcohol. And he would yell at his son and even physically beat his son whenever he did something wrong and then apologize the next day. 
And he did this for about 10 years. And after the kid was old enough, he just said, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm not going to live under the tyranny of my dad like this. And he ran away. And thank God, he found a Christian community. And they wrapped their arms around him, this guy. And he said, hey, listen, God's got a plan for your life. God can restore. God can redeem. And that guy hated his dad. And he went on through life, and he became a Christian. He became a minister. He became a pastor. He began to really share about God's love and God's mercy. And through the years, he lived with that, and he spent his whole life trying to help people that were going through a similar situation. This guy's name was Greg Laurie. Greg Laurie is a pastor in California. He was a guy who came over here and had this wonderful festival here at Cardinal Stadium. He shares his testimony about that. Or think of a guy like Bart Miller, the lead singer with Mercy Me. Grew up in an abusive home. And out of that tragedy became one of the most powerful and beautiful songs I can only imagine. Here's what I want to say to you guys. If, if, you're, if you're sitting here today going, I, I got to figure out how to make my life count. I got to figure out right now what's going to be the biggest bang for my buck. What's going to be the best investment I can make? I will tell you this. It's into the lives of people. And you might say, I'm not good with people. That's okay. Find other people that aren't good with people and they'll accept you and then you can invest into them. But your kids, if you've got trouble in the home, I want to give you a break today and say this. I can only preach that you can have a break if you go to Jesus. Because Jesus broke for you. And there's nothing I can do to pardon your sins or to help you fix the errors of the past. But you can go to the Lord and He can restore and He can redeem. Why should we invest into this next generation? So that they don't have to repeat the sins of the past. I can't tell you how many times I come to my kids and I say to them, hey, listen, when I was younger, I did this. You don't have to make the same choices. Sometimes my kids ask me questions and I'm like, that's too much. I can't tell you right now. I'll tell you later when you're a little older. But our kids don't have to repeat the sins of the past. Maybe you've lived a life that you're not proud of. Your kids don't have to repeat that same future. The nation of Israel, their greatest challenge was their unbelief. No matter how powerful God showed up, they struggled with trust. At the end of the day, it's you and I, we've got to place our trust in the Lord. And then what we can do is this, is we can invest into the next generation so that the next generation and the other generations might know about him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. I pray that in this time of worship, um, Lord, that you would just encourage and inspire your people, Lord, to invest into this next generation in greater measures than was before so that the, this generation and the generations to come might know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.